0: Welcome to the Leadership Update Brief. Today's entrepreneurs and business leaders face change and transition as a constant part of daily life. Inspired by stories of today's military veterans and service members, we embark on a journey to explore their transformations and equip ourselves with new ideas and motivation towards mastering the challenge of working with dynamic and changing environments. Here's the host of the Leadership Update Brief and the guide to your journey. Ed Brixey. Hello and welcome to the Leadership Update Brief on C-Suite Radio. I'm Ed Brixey and thanks for listening to episode 202, Leadership and Culture. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. We're off to an exciting start to 2020 here at BCM. And it's especially great to finally be back with everyone here on the podcast. While you're here, be sure to click on the subscribe button in your favorite podcast player, so you can keep up with our new episodes as they come out. We have a hell of a 2020 planned out for you. When we look at leadership and we look at organizational leadership, especially, it's a cultural phenomenon within our businesses leadership inherently is based on how we interact with one another it goes beyond our personal bubble into how we affect those around us and especially in how we organize and then inspire in turn organizational culture stems from this it's fed by this and once it is influenced and set it further influences these behaviors. Leaders set the example and leaders build new leaders. And they do this in the tones of the organizational culture and the precedent that's been set throughout that company. Over the last few weeks, a couple of really great articles have come across my desk that I've wanted to share with all of you because there's just they help to analyze and take a peek at Not only this dynamic within an organization, but how it is starting to change and how it is growing and how this is a constantly shifting phenomenon that is inherent to all of our businesses, affects all of our businesses, and especially helps or hinders our businesses. Our first look today is an older article from Strategy and Business from about 2016 by Sally Blunt and Sophie Leroy. And this article kicks off that management is all in the timing. And the main thesis here is the most successful leaders are highly aware of their colleagues' pace and sense of urgency and continually adapt to them. This is something when we see, when we look at modern business today, the pace of business is changing. We are at such a rapid crossroads and we can look and see how The transactional nature of our businesses, how working with our clients, working with our customers, this dynamic is rapidly shifting. This puts a huge price on the leaders within that organization because being able to work within that type of a dynamic culture is timing. We don't have time. Suddenly we need results. Suddenly we need data. We need this, we need that. And when we look at human behavior, when we look at just the way people operate is that pace changes. Now the main thesis there is leaders adapt to their people, which is true as a leader. And you when you're working with your team, That's something that we have to be constantly cognizant, constantly aware of is how do our people work and are we getting through to them? Are we influencing them in the most positive way possible? Are we helping them, not hindering them? And a lot of times putting additional pressure in the wrong ways only hinders the people within our team. But looking at that factor, there's a sense of urgency. We have a job to get done we have criteria to meet. We have things that we have to accomplish. And if we don't, well, the mission fails. So adapting the leader's behavior, it's not at a cost to results. It's not at a subtraction of the standards that we know we have to meet, but it is at a cost of, we have to know how to work with our people in the best possible ways. And sometimes that sense of urgency if we push too hard what happens is people get stressed out and they start shutting down for us in leadership positions we have to know where to draw that line and that's the adaptation that we have to make is yes we have to influence people we have to be positive we have to make sure that this is being built up in the best way possible but understanding the pace and sense of urgency piece of it of how others react to that allows us to be a lot more effective and not overwhelm our teams. So when we look at this, it comes down to, and the article touches a lot on this, is the importance of flow. Is how do we track time? Time management, I think, for everyone I've ever worked with is time management is always one of those skills that seems just to be a killer. With everything that we have going on, with all the responsibilities, and with all of the things that we're trying to create and accomplish, we still only have 24 hours in a day. We need a couple hours sleep, meals, transportation, and actual time to work is going to be limited. It's precious. So how do we work with that and then also how are we cognizant of it because when we talk about the flow when we look at how we experience time it's all relative the old saying time flies when you're having fun it highly applies to that and so building that being aware of that not only helps us interface better it helps us connect more with our team but it also helps us plan better because if we're aware of the flow there's something that we like to call the planning fallacy where when we're thinking about how long it takes to do something almost universally humans tend to underestimate the amount of time required and working towards that end making sure that we're planning appropriately towards whatever ends and that we're taking all those granular pieces that make up the greater whole and timing them effectively and realistically, it's important. So we take a piece of that flow and we tend to adapt it. We tend to adapt to the social nature of our group and the social nature of our team so that we're all in sync. And there's an enormous amount of tools in order to do this, but Making sure that we're using them so people are aware of what's going on is incredibly important for all of us as leaders. So taking a, the deeper dive in this article, there's a great framework at the end where we're looking at the four types of temporal leadership, where we start to analyze and dive into, okay, how do people react to this the flow, the sync of their teams, and what's going on. And like all great consultive products, we have two matrices here. And it's a timeline preference and a synchrony preference. And being either a clock paced leader or a socially facilitative leader. And then there's also just do people just work best at their own time? Are they more creatives? Or is it something that people are highly agile and they can cross between all of these worlds where they're able to affect people? and influence people effectively. It's tough because as leaders, it's just another thing that we have to make sure that we have in our toolbox is understanding the flow of time around us and having good time management skills that are adaptable to the way that the people in our team work. Because again, if our team is largely creatives and we're being very timeline orientated and very rigid, it's just going to feel oppressive. And we're not going to see the results that we want to see because it's just something else that we have out of sync. So understanding these, this yet another variable to leadership is truly, truly important. It's not something that we ever sacrifice standards. And that's the danger when we look at articles like this, and we look at a lot of leadership ideas where leaders have to be adaptable is We have to be adaptable but we don't sacrifice we do hold high standards we do still maintain mission as a critical piece of what we're trying to accomplish but how we go about accomplishing that mission how we go about influencing people is that's where our adaptability comes in and that's where we have this wide array of tools to use so taking the temporal side of things taking time management and incorporating that into the toolbox is one of those critical ways to help us become more effective at leading our teams. From there, though, there was another article recently coming out of McKinsey, McKinsey Quarterly in December 2019, redefining the role of a leader in the reskilling era. And it's something that when we look at... The rapid pace and the cultures that we're setting in many of our organizations today is we need people to be adaptable we need people to understand that there's times then there's places and there's things that are going to be changing at an extremely rapid pace and if we can't adapt along to that that curve is going to pass us by and we probably won't even notice until it's too late So understanding with that and when we look at the role for leaders within our organizations, it's facilitating continuous improvement. It's not waiting until things have to change to change. It's making sure that we're doing this incrementally and that we're incorporating it into our best practices and that we're sharing those best practices with those around us so that we can make sure that cohesively and coherently as an organization, we're moving forward. This requires a much different mode of thinking for organizational leaders today. It's one of those big picture challenges that has very, very important implications for leaders at all levels. This is something organizationally, strategically that we have to be looking at because change and the rapid pace of it is something that we need to make sure that we're ready for if we're not influencing it directly we're not let we're not playing catch up to what influences us so strategically we have this long-term future but at the same time organizationally at the tactical level it's being able to have our people learn adapt and grow and implementing that and incorporating that into the company culture where it's not business as usual where suddenly the people that are on the front lines of our organizations as are our reconnaissance elements, they are our eyes and ears as to what the changes are coming down the pipe. Because when you're in a strategic position, we're still looking so big picture and it's the tiny little details that are going to tell us what's coming. It's those small things that are going to give us a, that are going to show us the bigger changes that are going to be the indicators So keeping an eye on those leading indicators and listening, using our people in the manner that they are a valuable contributor towards strategic decisions, because we trust the intelligence that we gain from them. So suddenly using and implementing the employees of our organizations in a way that is much more positive and forward leaning, but at the same time, eliminates a lot of the risks that come from that. And McKinsey's very blunt on this. It is creating a safe space to learn. Because like it or not, learning is kind of tough. And business as always, business as usual is easy. So this is the harder road for organizations to traverse simply because we start looking and we start seeing and people might make mistakes. People might make decisions that aren't optimal. And it's something that working within our employees and our employment base, its that's okay. Because we tried something, we learned from it, and we're not going to do it again. It's being able to say that the environment is a good place to innovate. And for people within their lanes, if they need to shift something, They have the ability to do that. They can make that decision at the lowest possible level in order to provide the next level customer service in order to meet the needs of that our product or service is delivering in new ways, because we're trying to adapt and we're trying to remain agile within a very complicated dynamic of a marketplace. And that if that decision doesn't completely pan out, it's being used as a learning experience and it's not being used as a punitive measure or as a cause for punitive measures. And it's being able to enforce the idea with our people that that's okay. That it's okay to try something, it worked within your lane, it didn't work out as well as we wanted, next time this comes around, here are some of the better practices we've seen, what else could we do differently, and why didn't that work? And this starts on a small iterative scale. It's not we're trying to pivot completely and re-enter new marketplaces. We're not driving things and rapidly changing product features or benefits. This is those small little tweaks here and there that when taken as an aggregate whole over time, make a humongous and tremendous impact which is why it's very, very important for people to understand their roles in an organization. It's very important for people to understand how their piece fits in because that's what makes that iterative change possible is they know those little tweaks to go after, and they're going to see it much more quickly than those of us with a strategic viewpoint where we're just planning big picture and we're looking multiple years down the road. So we have to incorporate both into our organizations. this turns into that service leadership approach. It's not where the leadership is absolutely servile to people, but it's one of those where the leadership facilitates and enables, there's a lot of empowerment. There's a lot of ideas flowing back and forth and suddenly we're able to make stronger decisions at lower levels hold people accountable for those decisions because there's a level of ownership so that they are making good and well-informed decisions. They're not just pulling things out of their fourth point of contact. They're just moving forward and doing and making the small changes that they need to make in order to make sure that something that they have a vested interest in is successful. So when we take a peek at the research, it's being able to delegate a little more effectively, it's being able to craft that small iterative change. And it's from a cultural perspective at our our leadership, it's creating that type of culture that allows for those types of things to happen. And it's a combination, it's a master effect. It's not something that just happens. It's something that has to be very purposeful with our environments where once projects are complete, we take that step back and we take a peek and see what went well, How do we keep doing that? What needs to be improved? Great. What might happen next time? The last piece we see is coming out of Accenture and article called Decoding Organizational DNA from Ellen Schuch, Mark Nickerman, and Eva Sage Graven. And there's a lot of fascinating statistics in this article, as you can imagine from Accenture, which is a very data driven organization, but it cultivates on how does this massive change that we're seeing in the business world, how does this new focus on data change the workplace? Because it does, no matter what we do, we're leaving a digital thumbprint now and as employees as employers and as employees, how does that affect our work? How does that affect the cultural dynamics of our organization? And as it turns out, it is incredibly significant. And the number one way that we see this impacting organizations is in the trust of the organization and in the trust of the leadership. Because there's so much more information, what are they doing with it? fascinating statistics to kick off. This article is where 62% of businesses are using new technology and sources of data yet only 30% of C-level executives are confident that their organization is using the data in a highly responsible way, not even a third. That's problematic. That's where a lot of this lack of trust comes from because how do we use the data that we have on our people? I've seen products out there, AI products that sniff through emails to find trends on work on workforce trends, and which can be applied towards almost anything. Are my people going to quit? There's an app for that. <laughs> and that's one of those things that as an employer, where do we draw the line? There's ethical concerns there. Yes, it's something that we would like to know and something that We probably should know, but where do we go beyond the intuition of the manager on the way they treat their team, on the way they work with their people and trusting their judgment to what does an algorithm say? There's a very, very fine line there and it's a very difficult line to judge because suddenly, where do we go? What do we do? The role of this within our businesses and our organizations is a tough piece this is a very hard call and we even within the article explains where business leaders are should this be something that's regulated or is this something that we go ahead and go forward with until it's regulated and there's interesting ideas there this dynamic the data that we collect what do we do with it <clears throat> The biggest challenge with this is being able to do it effectively and use it responsibly. If there's no trust in an organization, especially between the managers, the employees, that organization is going to struggle no matter what. I don't care how good their data is, I don't care how great these algorithms, I don't care how much they've invested into an AI framework to craft the optimum employee experience. If the employees don't feel comfortable with it, it's not going to move forward. You're going to get the bare minimum and they're gonna be out of there as soon as they can because they don't feel comfortable. But at the same time, from a management approach, are we crafting something that enables us to do our jobs more effectively? Do we see small little trends? It's one of those things where we look at workplace studies and even in companies like UPS, yes, keep the keys to your truck in the right-hand pocket, of your pants so that as you're on your way out the door you can pull it out with your right hand so that it's, you're ready to stick it back in the ignition saving yourself a tenth of a second and when we look at it because millions of packages are being delivered and that action being done millions of times a day it will make a huge difference in the overall productivity because people aren't fumbling for their keys cool little nonsensical thing but it matters and good data will allow us to find a lot more little synergies like that. They'll be able to share more information across platforms in our organizations where suddenly or where organizational silos, once pre where once very prevalent, suddenly a little bit of information sharing can start breaking those down and allowing that cohesion across an organization to become that much more robust to share best practices and ideas. This is a good thing, but it should never come at the expense of employee trust. So understanding how do we want to go with this and how do we implement this in our organizations? How do we collaborate a little bit strongly because data allows us to do that? But how do we make sure that we're not violating the trust of our employees and making them uncomfortable to an, an, a workplace where they subtly don't understand what's happening and don't quite trust what they're being presented with. So together, when we look at these three articles, when we look at these three ideas, suddenly building trust in a digital age is absolutely the way workplaces are going. We understand that the data and the computing power have added a lot to how we time ourselves. They've added a lot to how we work. They've added a lot of new areas of oversight and a lot of new areas of insight. It suddenly is well beyond just a simple Gantt chart and making sure that our timelines are in sync. We're able to maximize processes. We're able to optimize flow. We're able to go beyond scheduling and look at how we work with one another and setting new new expectations. It goes back to when we started looking at and emails were coming into the workplace and all of us have had that manager that have emailed us at 1130 at night and expect a reply because they were at home crunching away on something and they had a remarkable insight. Or they they just emailed it to us thinking, okay, this will be in their inboxes first thing tomorrow morning. But at the same time, some of us might see that and there's a precedent and expectation. A lot of the newer innovations that we're seeing only compound this so moderation of slack channels is a tough thing for organizations to do a more distributed workforce that is aligned virtually building trust when we have these new channels when we have these new interruptions when we have these new expectations is something that we're not quite prepared for culturally for a lot of our organizations this is a massive shift and it's something that we see as how does this really work where employees look at this new tool and go well what am i supposed to do with this what conversations do i need to email somebody about versus what can i type into the slack chat versus what do we now do over a google hangout versus what do we now say and make sure that we have this combined google sheet for all of our ideas what do we make sure that we say how does this impact the way that we work together wait what are they looking at when they see through this this leads us directly to that reskilling piece. Leaders need to understand before this technology before their teams. They need to understand the implications of it in a very holistic manner. Not just, hey, here's our new tool, figure it out, or hey, here's this new tool, here's how you use it. It's, hey, this is how this is going to affect the way that we work together. Leaders are the central figures in our organizations, they're the ones who must know and understand the new pieces being added. And it's difficult because sometimes these new ideas, they're becoming so rapid fire and, oh, wait, everybody else is using this chat tool. So now we need to make sure we incorporate that into our organization. Will that really increase efficiency or will that just be some other interruption? It's for all the open workspaces I've ever seen. The places I find that are the most crowded in those are the phone rooms and the privacy booths. It's an added difficulty in organizations, because these are very, very different, have different back ends, have different data collections, have different ideas. And the more changes that we see that are this rapid fire within our organizations, the less trust is coming about because suddenly, oh, I hey, hate. here's this new tool. It's going to go on the back burner with the rest of them in six months, but we just have to kind of use it for now. meeting these challenges has become and influenced every single industry it's influenced every single market segment and it's become so much more widely available to every single customer or every single company true infrastructure for it development used to be contained in major players people who could afford it it was those who had the money to burn on expensive development money to spend, and capital to invest in the expensive infrastructure. For business today, these tools are so widely available. SaaS models make sophisticated software readily available and affordable for even Main Street USA businesses. The commonality in web access allow for these tools to give us a global impact from our living room. We allow and can see virtual teams coming at from every angle and collaborating in the digital space where once conference room meetings were the norm. Offsite services, cloud computing of limited infrastructure and the investment in there, the list goes on and on and on here and remaining competitive amidst all of these dynamics is hard which one's the best to use? What's the best fit for my organization? What's the best tool that's going to allow us to become the most effective at improving ourselves and our operations. What's going to help us connect better with our customers. So leadership has to have the ability to be discerning about which ones to use and how to use them. When there's, when there's capital constraints, it's easy, but when it's freely and widely available, suddenly when we look at these things, How do we do it? Because we can't just invest everywhere. We can't just bring all these changes into an organization because the trust. We still have people, and these are all tools. So which tools make us best at our jobs versus which tools are going to get in the way? Tech creates this new impetus on corporate culture especially on the impact of leadership implementing these technologies affects trust gives us new ways to interact and bridges many of the organizational gaps while only highlighting others so for leaders my charge today is be purposeful in your decision making when making these changes in your organization we're all going to have to collaborating digitally across barriers is going to only help us but we have to do it effectively Because leadership shapes organizational culture, which then molds the future leaders and expectations within that organization. So being purposeful in this dynamic, understanding that there are much broader implications for introducing new tools to an organization than just, ooh, shiny, this is great. It'll allow us to work better. And and taking a very holistic, insightful, and understanding approach on how does this new technology affect not only the work that we do but the people doing that work? That's what shapes an organization. That's what makes organizations great. And that's what makes sure that these digital disruptions aren't truly disruptive. They're digital they turn into digital enhancements. Thank you all for listening. I welcome your comments. You can find me on social media, both Twitter and Facebook at Blue Chord MGMT, or on LinkedIn, search for Blue Chord Management. You can learn more about BCM at www.bluecordmgmt.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast service. We're on almost all of them at this point. And as always, we're available on C-Suite Radio at c-suitenetwork.com thanks again. I look forward to continuing our journey into leadership. Have a fantastic, fantastic day. See you soon. You've been listening to C-Suite Radio. For more top business podcasts, visit c As a loyal fan of the C-Suite Radio show, I've got an incredible offer for you. Listeners to this podcast get 50% off a C C-Suite Network membership. The C-Suite Network will help you become the most strategic person in the room. You will have access to top-notch benefits and networking, all helping you get the most out of your position. Take advantage of this limited offer today. Learn more about the C Suite Network membership at c-suite-network.com/csr. Again, that's fifty percent off a C Suite Network membership at c-suite-network.com/csr. This podcast is a part of the C Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.